Section 13 of the Book of Ser Marco Polo Concerning the Kingdoms and Marvels of the East, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeremiah Sutherland, Victoria, British Columbia. The Book of Ser Marco Polo, the Venetian, Concerning the Kingdoms and Marvels of the East, by Rusticello da Pisa. Translated by Henry Yule. Book Third, Chapters 16 to 18. Concerning the great province of Mabar, which is called India the Greater, of the place where lieth the body of St. Thomas the Apostle. Chapter 16. Concerning the great province of Mabar. When you leave the island of Ceylon and sail westward about sixty miles, you come to the great province of Mabar, which is styled India the Greater. It is the best of all the Indies and is on the mainland. You must know that in this province there are five kings who are own brothers. I will tell you about each in turn. The province is the finest and noblest in the world. At this end of the province reigns one of those five royal brothers who is a crowned king, and his name is Sonder Bandi Davar. In his kingdom they find very fine and great pearls, and I will tell you how they are got. You must know that the sea here forms a gulf between the island of Ceylon and the mainland, and all round this gulf the water has a depth of no more than ten or twelve fathoms, and in some places no more than two fathoms. The pearl-fishers take their vessels, great and small, and proceed into this gulf, where they stop from the beginning of April till the middle of May. They go first to a place called Betelar, and then go sixty miles into the gulf. Here they cast anchor and shift from their large vessels into small boats. You must know that the many merchants who go divide into various companies, and each of these must engage a number of men on wages, hiring them for April and half of May. Of all the produce they have first to pay the king as his royalty the tenth part, and they must also pay those men who charm the great fishes to prevent them from injuring the divers whilst engaged in seeking pearls under water, one twentieth part of all that they take. These fish charmers are termed Abraiman, and their charm holds good for that day only, for at night they dissolve the charm, so that the fishes can work mischief at their will. These Abraiman know also how to charm beasts and birds and every living thing. When the men have got into the small boats, they jump into the water and dive to the bottom, which may be at a depth of from four to twelve fathoms, and there they remain as long as they are able. And there they find the shells that contain the pearls, and these they put into a net bag tied around the waist, and mount up to the surface with them, and then dive anew. When they can't hold their breath any longer, they come up again, and after a little down they go once more, and so they go on all day. The shells are in fashion like oysters or sea-hoods, and in these shells are found pearls, great and small, of every kind, sticking in the flesh of the shellfish. In this manner pearls are fished in great quantities, for thence in fact come the pearls which are spread all over the world. And I can tell you the king of that state hath a very great receipt and treasure from his dues upon those pearls. As soon as the middle of May is past, no more of those pearl shells are found there. It is true, however, that a long way from that spot, some three hundred miles distant, they are also found, but that is in September and the first half of October. Chapter 17 continues to speak of the province of Mabar. You must know that in all this province of Mabar there is never a tailor to cut a coat or stitch it, seeing that everybody goes naked. For decency only they do wear a scrap of cloth, 
and so tis with men and women with rich and poor ay and with the king himself except what i am going to mention it is a fact that the king goes as bare as the rest only round his loins he has a piece of fine cloth and round his neck he has a necklace entirely of precious stones rubies sapphires emeralds and the like insomuch that this collar is of great value he wears also hanging in front of his chest from the neck downwards a fine silk thread strung with one hundred and four large pearls and rubies of great price the reason why he wears this cord with the one hundred and four great pearls and rubies is according to what they tell that every day morning and evening he has to say one hundred and four prayers to his idols such as their religion and their custom and thus did all the kings his ancestors before him and they bequeathed the string of pearls to him that he should do the like the prayer that they say daily consists of these words pakauta 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 and this they repeat one hundred and four times the king aforesaid also wears on his arms three golden bracelets thickly set with pearls of great value and anklets also of like kind he wears on his legs and rings on his toes likewise so let me tell you what this king wears between gold and gems and pearls is worth more than a city's ransom and tis no wonder for he hath great store of such gear and besides they are found in his kingdom moreover nobody is permitted to take out of the kingdom a pearl weighing more than half a sagio unless he manages to do it secretly this order has been given because the king desires to reserve all such to himself and so in fact the quantity he has is something almost incredible moreover several times every year he sends his proclamation through the realm that if any one who possesses a pearl or stone of great value will bring it to him he will pay for it twice as much as it cost everybody is glad to do this and thus the king gets all into his own hands giving every man his price furthermore this king has some five hundred wives for whenever he hears of a beautiful damsel he takes her to wife indeed he did a very sorry deed as i shall tell you foreseeing that his brother had a handsome wife he took her by force and kept her for himself his brother being a discreet man took the thing quietly and made no noise about it the king hath many children and there are about the king a number of barons in attendance upon him these ride with him and keep always near him and have great authority in the kingdom they are called the king's trusty lieges and you must know that when the king dies and they put him on the fire to burn him these lieges cast themselves into the fire round about his body and suffer themselves to be burnt along with him for they say they have been his comrades in this world and that they ought also to keep him company in the other world when the king dies none of his children dares to touch his treasure for they say as our father did gather together all this treasure so we ought to accumulate as much in our turn and in this way it comes to pass that there is an immensity of treasure accumulated in this kingdom here are no horses bred and thus a great part of the wealth of the country is wasted in purchasing horses i will tell you how you must know that the merchants of kis and hormuz and dofar and sor and aden collect great numbers of destriers and other horses and these they bring to the territories of this king and of his four brothers who are kings likewise as i told you for a horse will fetch among them five hundred sagi of gold worth more than one hundred marks of silver and vast numbers are sold there every year indeed this king wants to buy more than two thousand horses every year and so do his four brothers who are kings likewise 
the reason why they want so many horses every year is that by the end of the year there shall not be one hundred of them remaining for they all die off and this arises from mismanagement for those people do not know in the least how to treat a horse and besides they have no farriers the horse merchants not only never bring any farriers with them but also prevent any farrier from going thither lest that should in any degree balk the sale of horses which brings them in every year such vast gains they bring these horses by sea aboard ship they have in this country the custom which i am going to relate when a man is doomed to die for any crime he may declare that he will put himself to death in honour of such or such an idol and the government then grants him permission to do so his kinsfolk and friends then set him up on a cart and provide him with twelve knives and proceed to conduct him all about the city proclaiming aloud this valiant man is going to slay himself for the love of such an idol and when they be come to the place of execution he takes a knife and sticks it through his arm and cries i slay myself for the love of such a god then he takes another knife and sticks it through his other arm and takes a third knife and runs it into his belly and so on until he kills himself outright and when he is dead his kinsfolk take the body and burn it with a joyful celebration many of the women also when their husbands die and are placed on the pile to be burnt do burn themselves along with the bodies and such women as do this have great praise from all the people are idolaters and many of them worship the ox because they say it is a creature of such excellence they would not eat beef for anything in the world nor would they on any account kill an ox but there is another class of people who are called govi and these are very glad to eat beef though they dare not kill the animal howbeit if an ox dies naturally or otherwise then they eat him and let me tell you the people of this country have a custom of rubbing their houses all over with cow dung moreover all of them great and small king and barons included do sit upon the ground only and the reason they give is that this is the most honourable way to sit because we all spring from the earth and to the earth we must return so no one can pay the earth too much honour and no one ought to despise it and about that race of govis i should tell you that nothing on earth would induce them to enter the place where messier st thomas is i mean where his body lies which is in a certain city of the province of mabar indeed were even twenty or thirty men to lay hold of one of these govis and to try to hold him in the place where the body of the blessed apostle of jesus christ lies buried they could not do it such is the influence of the saint for it was by people of this generation that he was slain as you shall presently hear no wheat grows in this province but rice only and another strange thing to be told is that there is no possibility of breeding horses in this country as hath often been proved by trial for even when a great blood mare here has been covered by a great blood horse the produce is nothing but a wretched wry-legged weed not fit to ride the people of the country go to battle all naked with only a lance and a shield and they are most wretched soldiers they will kill neither beast nor bird nor anything that hath life and for such animal food as they eat they make the saracens or others who are not of their own religion play the butcher it is their practice that every one male and female do wash the whole body twice every day and those who do not wash are looked on much as we look on the patterns you must know also that in eating they use the right hand only and would on no account touch their food with the left hand all cleanly and becoming uses are ministered to by the right hand whilst the left is reserved for uncleanly and disagreeable necessities such as cleansing the secret parts of the body and the like 
so also they drink only from drinking vessels and every man hath his own nor will any one drink from another's vessel and when they drink they do not put the vessel to the lips but hold it aloft and let the drink spout into the mouth no one would on any account touch the vessel with his mouth nor give a stranger drink with it but if the stranger have no vessel of his own they will pour the drink into his hands and he may thus drink from his hands as from a cup they are very strict in executing justice upon criminals and as strict in abstaining from wine indeed they have made a rule that wine-drinkers and seafaring men are never to be accepted as sureties for they say that to be a seafaring man is all the same as to be an utter desperado and that his testimony is good for nothing howbeit they look on lechery as no sin they have the following rule about debts if a debtor shall have been several times asked by his creditor for payment and shall have put him off from day to day with promises then if the creditor can once meet the debtor and succeed in drawing a circle round him the latter must not pass out of this circle until he shall have satisfied the claim or given security for its discharge if he in any other case presume to pass the circle he is punished with death as a transgressor against right and justice and the said messer marco when in this kingdom on his return home did himself witness a case of this it was the king who owed a foreign merchant a certain sum of money and though the claim had often been presented he always put it off with promises now one day when the king was riding through the city the merchant found his opportunity and drew a circle round both king and horse the king on seeing this halted and would ride no further nor did he stir from the spot until the merchant was satisfied and when the bystanders saw this they marvelled greatly saying that the king was a most just king indeed having thus submitted to justice you must know that the heat here is sometimes so great that tis something wonderful and rain falls only for three months in the year viz in june july and august indeed but for the rain that falls in these three months refreshing the earth and cooling the air the drought would be so great that no one could exist they have many experts in an art which they call physiognomy by which they discern a man's character and qualities at once they also know the import of meeting with any particular bird or beast for such omens are regarded by them more than by any people in the world thus if a man is going along the road and hears someone sneeze if he deems it say a good token for himself he goes on but if otherwise he stops a bit or peradventure turns back altogether from his journey as soon as a child is born they write down his nativity that is to say the day and hour the month and the moon's age this custom they observe because every single thing they do is done with reference to astrology and by advice of diviners skilled in sorcery and magic and geomancy and such like diabolical arts and some of them are also acquainted with astrology all parents who have male children as soon as these have attained the age of thirteen dismiss them from their home and do not allow them further maintenance in the family for they say that the boys are then of an age to get their living by trade so off they pack them with some twenty or four and twenty groats or at least with money equivalent to that and these urchins are running about all day from pillar to post buying and selling at the time of the pearl fishery they run to the beach and purchase from the fishers or others five or six pearls according to their ability and take these to the merchants who are keeping indoors for fear of the sun and say to them these cost me such a price now give me what profit you please on them so the merchant gives something over the cost price for their profit 
they do in the same way with many other articles so that they become trained to be very dexterous and keen traders and every day they take their food to their mothers to be cooked and served but do not eat a scrap at the expense of their fathers in this kingdom and all over india the birds and beasts are entirely different from ours all but one bird which is exactly like ours and that is the quail but everything else is totally different for example they have bats i mean those birds that fly by night and have no feathers of any kind well their birds of this kind are as big as a goshawk their goshawks again are as black as crows a good deal bigger than ours and very swift and sure another strange thing is that they feed their horses with boiled rice and boiled meat and various other kinds of cooked food that is the reason why all the horses die off they have certain abbeys in which are gods and goddesses to whom many young girls are consecrated their fathers and mothers presenting them to that idol for which they entertain the greatest devotion and when the monks of a convent desire to make a feast to their god they send for all those consecrated damsels and make them sing and dance before the idol with great festivity they also bring meats to feed their idol withal that is to say the damsels prepare dishes of meat and other good things and put the food before the idol and leave it there a good while and then the damsels all go to their dancing and singing and festivity for about as long as a great baron might require to eat his dinner by that time they say the spirit of the idols has consumed the substance of the food so they remove the viands to be eaten by themselves with great jollity this is performed by these damsels several times every year until they are married the reason assigned for summoning the damsels to these feasts is as the monks say that the god is vexed and angry with the goddess and will hold no communication with her and they say that if peace be not established between them things will go from bad to worse and they never will bestow their grace and benediction so they make those girls come in the way described to dance and sing all but naked before the god and goddess and those people believe that the god often solaces himself with the society of the goddess the men of this country have their beds made of very light cane work so arranged that when they have got in and are going to sleep they are drawn up by cords nearly to the ceiling and fixed there for the night this is done to get out of the way of tarantulas which give terrible bites as well as of fleas and such vermin and at the same time to get as much air as possible in the great heat which prevails in that region not that everybody does this but only the nobles and great folks for the others sleep on the streets now i have told you about this kingdom of the province of mabar and i must pass on to the other kingdoms of the same province for i have much to tell of their peculiarities chapter eighteen discoursing of the place where lieth the body of st thomas the apostle the body of monsieur st thomas the apostle lies in this province of mabar at a certain little town having no great population tis a place whither few traders go because there is very little merchandise to be got there and it is a place not very accessible both christians and saracens however greatly frequent it in pilgrimage for the saracens also do hold the saint in great reverence and say that he was one of their own saracens and a great prophet giving him the title of Averian, which is as much as to say holy man the christians who go thither in pilgrimage take of the earth from the place where the saint was killed and give a potion thereof to any one who is sick of a quartan or a tertian fever and by the power of god and of st thomas the sick man is incontinently cured the earth i should tell you is red a very fine miracle occurred there in the year of christ twelve eighty eight as i will now relate 
a certain baron of that country having great store of a certain kind of corn that is called rice had filled up with it all the houses that belonged to the church and stood round about it the christian people in charge of the church were much distressed by his having thus stuffed their houses with his rice the pilgrims too had nowhere to lay their heads and they often begged the pagan baron to remove his grain but he would do nothing of the kind so one night the saint himself appeared with a fork in his hand which he set at the baron's throat saying if thou void not my houses that my pilgrims may have room thou shalt die an evil death and therewithal the saint pressed him so hard with the fork that he thought himself a dead man and when morning came he caused all the houses to be voided of his rice and told everybody what had befallen him at the saint's hands so the christians were greatly rejoiced at this grand miracle and rendered thanks to god and to the blessed saint thomas other great miracles do often come to pass there such as the healing of those who are sick or deformed or the like especially such as be christians the christians who have charge of the church have a great number of the indian nut trees whereby they get their living and they pay to one of those brother kings six groats for each tree every month now i will tell you the manner in which the christian brethren who keep the church relate the story of the saint's death they tell that the saint was in the wood outside his hermitage saying his prayers and round about him were many peacocks for these are more plentiful in that country than anywhere else and one of the idolaters of that country being of the lineage of those called govi that i told you of having gone with his bow and arrows to shoot peafowl not seeing the saint let fly an arrow at one of the peacocks and this arrow struck the holy man in the right side insomuch that he died of the wound sweetly addressing himself to his creator before he came to that place where he thus died he had been in nubia where he converted much people to the faith of jesus christ the children that are born here are black enough but the blacker they be the more they are thought of wherefore from the day of their birth their parents do rub them every week with oil of sesame so that they become as black as devils moreover they make their gods black and their devils white and the images of their saints they do paint black all over they have such faith in the ox and hold it for a thing so holy that when they go to the wars they take of the hair of the wild ox whereof i have elsewhere spoken and wear it tied to the necks of their horses or if serving on foot they hang this hair to their shields or attach it to their own hair and so this hair bears a high price since without it nobody goes to the wars in any good heart for they believe that any one who has it shall come scatheless out of battle end of section thirteen